welcome to another episode of Breaking the Capsule. Here we open the capsule on several health conditions and concerns that may help you gain knowledge to better your well-being. How's it going, Nan? Uh, pretty all right. Just a very stormy day for the last few days. Horrible mm. weather. Um, but at least don't have to wash my car because it's just washed by default. So not too bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about you? Uh, nothing much. Just haven't been to work for about a week. So it's uh, just been chilling at home. So you just play with the dog all day? Yeah, it's basically just been non-stop until she sleeps, then I sleep. But apart from that... Yeah. How, how the sleeping pattern? Has it been okay? It's a bit better. It's better than... Um, like when you came over, it was basically like every hour was having yep. to get up. Yep. Um, but now... Like we'll have like a few hours in between and then it's usually like early morning. Yeah. Which yeah, fair enough. Yep. Um but yeah. So I mean she's still a puppy and I think she's only what is she? Should be like ten weeks at yep. the moment. Yeah. So it was funny, I was like just yesterday I was like comparing her to like a ten week baby. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, Oh, true. there's so much difference, like can't tell a ten week baby to sit down. Yeah, I know. So it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, well, at least it's a good practice for uh, when you actually mm. have a baby. The actual thing. Yeah. I'm. I'm still trying to figure out. Like, obviously, it'll be like okay. You still have to wake up every hour, and there's like extra things. But would it be easier in the sense that they're not going to be running around, and you don't have to like, const like, you know. They're not running around biting stuff and like that. Yeah. But I guess you always got to make sure the baby's safe as well. So it's, yeah. yeah. Do, do you see that um, in Vietnam, the, like a few days ago, there was a baby that dropped from 13th floor. Oh. Uh, and then some guy down. caught it at the bottom. Oh, is it all right? Yeah. Everyone's fine. Like oh. everyone survived. The guy got mm. injured his hand because his Something it's like about ten. The baby is about ten kilos. Dropped from thirteen floor, so that's uh, a lot. That's a yes. lot of gravity on the the weight. So it's, I, yeah. they calculate to be about four hundred kilogram worth mm, of force yes. down Ooh. that guy hand, and he managed to save the baby. So that was that was amazing. Uh, like, that's good. Yeah. Was it like on fire or something? Or nah, the baby just, just managed dropped. to slip through the the balcony and then just oh, okay, yeah. Wow. Just sad, but that's all right. Mm. All right. Um, What's been new with you? Uh, nothing. Life being the same. Usual. Everything that's usual. Uh, just trying to put a new um, silicon sealant around my kitchen sink. Oh, yes. Very handy. Yeah. Just like, you know, uh, extra layer of protection so the water doesn't leak up. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. yep, yep. Yep. Speaking of protections, uh, you know how last week we talked about uh, sexually transmitted disease and mm -hmm. we said we're going to do a separate podcast on uh, HIV. Uh, so, yes, um, we did. Yeah, might as well do that today. May as well. All right. So um, HIV is short for human immunodeficiency virus. So it is a type of virus that target the immune system and weaken people's defense against like infections and many types of cancer. Um, 
So in terms of stats, um, in 2019, it was estimated that there were 29,000 people in, with HIV in Australia. Among those, 90% were diagnosed by the end of 2019. The research showed that 91% of people diagnosed were receiving HIV treatments. And of those on treatment, 97% has an undetectable viral load, which is like the amount of virus inside your body. In 2019, 59% of HIV notification were attributed to sexual contact between men. 23% of cases were attributed to heterosexual sex. 7% to a combination of sexual contacts between men and injecting drug use. 3% to injecting drug use alone and 8% to others. Uh, the rate of diagnosis uh, over the last five years is 1.3 and 1.9 times as high amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders uh, people than Australia born non-Indigenous people. And in March 2020, estimate about 25,000 people were assessing PrEP, which we had a podcast about it, which is the mm -hmm. medication to help prevent getting HIV. Um, and research showed that in three months, June of 2020, 42% of gay and bisexual men stopped using PrEP due to COVID-19, which caused a lot of disruption. That's um, quite a high percentage. Mm. COVID's just throwing everything out of whack. So let's just go back in time a bit and talk about the history of it. So HIV infection in humans came from a type of chimpanzee in Central Africa. So the chimpanzee version of the virus, also called simian immunodeficiency virus or SIV, was probably passed to humans when humans hunted the chimpanzees for their meat and then came in contact with the infected blood. The studies show that HIV may have jumped from chimpanzees to human as far back as the late 1800s. Over the decades, HIV slowly spread across Africa and later into other parts of the world, just like COVID. Yeah. We know that the virus has existed in the United States since at least the mid to late 1970s. In terms of transmission, so HIV is carried in the semen or the cum, vaginal fluids, anal mucus, blood, and breast milk. The virus gets in your body through cuts or sores in your skin and through the mucous membranes. So this would be like inside the vagina, rectum, and the opening of the penis. So you can get HIV from having vaginal or anal sex, sharing needles or syringes for shooting drugs, piercings, tattoos, etc. Uh, getting stuck with a needle that has HIV-infected blood on it and getting HIV-infected blood, semen, or vaginal fluids in open cuts or sores in your body. Uh, just some things to debunk. Um, HIV isn't spread through saliva, so like your spit, so you can't get it from kissing someone, sharing food or drinks, or using the same fork or spoon. Um, it's also not spread through hugging, holding hands, coughing or sneezing. And you can't get it from a toilet seat, which is good to know, like, especially if you go to like a public toilet, you know how you said you were getting a bit like, oh, you'd yeah. rather not use it. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this, this myth has been like existed for a very long time since the early stage of HIV. Um, yeah. A lot of people was like very, basically like the, 
the generation the population like sort of boycott the people with like, who are HIV positive because they're just scared of touching them pretty much. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um okay, so how does um the HIV virus get into our system? Um so it will so let's say you get into contact with it like through blood or injection or something like that. The virus will attach to this cell inside your body called T helper cell. So it's just an immune system cell. So then it fused together and released the genetic information into the cell. So there's some HIV drugs that stop this stage of the life cycle of a virus and call fusion or entry inhibitor drugs because they stop the HIV virus from entering the cell. Uh, the next step is called reverse transcriptions and integration. So once they're fused together, the HIV convert is genetic material into a HIV DNA uh, and the process called reverse transcriptions. So the new DNA enters a nucleus, which is like the, the central of the cell and take control of it. Um, so there are some drugs that block this uh, process. So we call it nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors or non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. So it's just a very technical term for it. Um, and then the next step is just called transcription and translations or replication for short. So the infected T helper cell produce HIV protein that are used to produce more HIV particle inside the cell. And then the new HIV is put together and then released from the T helper cell into the bloodstream and infect other cells and repeat uh, the same process and just duplicate it and then just multiply to many, many others, uh, HIV virus. Um, so when people with HIV that don't get treatment, uh, they typically they typically progress through three stages of symptoms or phase. Uh, but with HIV medicine, it can slow down or prevent the progressions of the disease. Um, so because of a lot of like advance in technology and treatment, the, the stage three is less common nowadays than in the earlier days of HIV. As you were going through like transcription and translation, I was getting like flashbacks to uni. Is it, I think, second year? Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure it's or, like first yeah. semester or something. Like oh, first semester, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, yep. Yeah. Half time. Major flashbacks. Oh. Alrighty. So the first stage is called acute HIV infection. So people have a large amount of HIV in their blood and it's very contagious. So some people can have flu like symptoms. And this is your body's natural response to an infection. Some people might not actually feel sick right away or even at all. So if you have flu-like symptoms and you think you have been exposed to HIV, it's very important to get a test and try and diagnose it. So only antigen antibody tests or nucleic acid tests, also called NATs, can diagnose acute infections. Stage two is your chronic HIV infection. So this is also called asymptomatic HIV infection or clinical latency. Uh, the HIV is still active, but it reproduces at very low levels. So again, people may not have any symptoms or get sick during this phase. 
Without taking any HIV medicine, this period may last a decade or longer, but sometimes they can progress a lot faster. So this is when people can transmit the HIV in this phase. At the end of the phase, the amount of HIV in the blood, which Nan said before is called the viral load, goes up and the CD4 cell count goes down. So this is when the person may have symptoms as the virus levels are going up and increasing and the body moves into stage three. So people who take HIV medicine as prescribed may never actually move on to stage three, which is why, like we were saying before, there's a lot less of stage three at the moment, uh, which is now stage three is called acquired immunodeficiency syndrome or AIDS, which is more commonly known. So this is the most severe phase of the HIV infection. So people with AIDS have such badly damaged immune systems that they start getting an increasing number of severe illnesses. So these are called opportunistic infections. When people receive an AIDS diagnosis, it's when their CD4 cell drops before 200 cells per millimil, and if they develop certain opportunistic infections. They also have a high viral load and can be very infectious. If not treated, people with AIDS typically survive about three years. So it's very important that it gets diagnosed quickly. Yeah, I heard a lot of story where people like with AIDS, they pretty much can just die from like a small paper cut. It's just yeah, pretty bad mm. then. Yeah, depending on case by case, yeah. Yep. Okay, so... Uh, the symptoms of, like, let's say you contracted the virus. Uh, some people have flu-like symptoms within two to four weeks after infections. can be like fever, chill, rash, night sweat, muscle aches, sore throat, fatigue, mouth ulcers. That just sounds like COVID symptoms as well. So it's mm. not, nothing Ooh, really specific. Yeah. Nothing really specific. Uh, but some people might not feel anything during the infection. So, again, like if you have all those symptoms, doesn't mean you have HIV. Also, doesn't mean you might have COVID. You could just have a cold or flu, something like that. So, just make sure you go get tested. Um, is the getting tested for HIV is the basically the only way to know for sure that whether you have it or not. So, Testing for HIV is important because it's enabled individual to know their status uh, so that they can find the appropriate treatment and support if necessary and take steps to prevent like transmis- uh, transmission to other people. Uh, it's very simple, quick, very convenient as well with a lot of uh, testing sites in like major city and town across Australia. Uh, you can even done it in a GP clinic as well. I guess, like you were saying before, how the symptoms are quite common with like COVID and normal cold. Mm -hmm. I guess you just got to think about whether or not you think you're at a high risk of HIV. Yeah. Or if, yeah, what you think you might be exposed to. Yeah. So let's go into some high risk sort of categories. So, like, gay men and other men who have sex with men are recommended to have a comprehensive sexual health check. Um, So like tests for HIV, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis at least twice a year and up to four times a year if they are in one or more of the following categories. So if 
have had any condomless anal sex, have more than 10 sexual partners in six months, participate in group sex, or use crystal meth. So there's this thing called HIV rapid testing. So traditional HIV testing is where blood is drawn and sent to the lab for testing, which can take several days to get a result. Rapid testing uses a pinprick of the finger or oral fluid, depending on what test it is, and you get results returned within 10 to 20 minutes. So most rapid HIV tests detect HIV antibodies, but they can also test for the presence of the virus itself. So a reactive or preliminary positive result on a rapid HIV test is not a HIV diagnosis as rapid HIV tests produce small number of false positive results. So this is why they need to be confirmed by further laboratory laboratory tests. So self-testing is also known as home-based testing, and this is where HIV testing is conducted in the home or somewhere similar. And they use the same technology as the rapid HIV test. So it's a finger prick blood test, and you can get the results within 15 minutes. Uh, The first HIV self-test was initially approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration for sale in Australia in November 2018. So to be honest, not that long ago, but, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's is produced by Mylan, uh, the Alpha mm-hmm. Farm brand. Uh, good yeah. old Alpha Farm. Yeah. So there is currently only one HIV self-test approved for sale in Australia, and it's important that you to only use devices approved for sale, so that you can make sure that the result is accurate, and that the device itself is safe to use. So where can you get tests? So you can find details of a range of clinics where to get tested, including public sexual health clinics. Um, There's a couple of areas like Drama Down Under, Ending HIV, and Time to Test websites. Uh, As well as sexual health clinics also provide free and confidential testing services as well. Yep. Uh, I mean, the good thing nowadays with HIV is that people have more understanding of it. There's not mm. like back in the day where like, I don't know if you have seen this documentary on Netflix where about American back in the day where they have a lot of like uh, prejudice against HIV positive uh, people. Um, oh, yeah, like it was, the stigma against Yeah, it's, it's very bad. It was very bad then. But then nowadays, it's mm. just a lot better. So that that's good. And, and it's helped people, you know, in their treatments as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so that is uh, HIV in a capsule. Uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to send us a message. Uh, otherwise, we will see you guys next week. See you then. Bye. All of the information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions, please see your healthcare professional.